0: week um, so this morning we're gonna do our second message in the book of Proverbs, and we're gonna do this for most of the summer, I think maybe even beyond the summer there's so many different themes in the book of Proverbs uh, so today is a little bit more of an introductory type message, uh, even though I already did an intro message, but I think this one is too when you look at chapters two and three and four. Uh Just kind of deals with this great theme of wisdom, which uh threads throughout the entire book thirty one chapters of proverbs and but each week we 'll deal with um one theme uh for the most part, but today, well, I guess it is one theme it 's wisdom, but it 's kind of an overarching theme for the book of proverbs uh yeah, this beautiful graphic that Ali did. Um, so we're calling this series, Proverbs, Blueprints for Living. And if you've ever done any, uh, well, my daughter's an architect uh, architect major, so um, she would probably know this. But sometimes with building, I've done enough renovations, I think five different ones through the years. Uh, this one was the biggest one. Uh, there's always a little bit of uh, tension between the builder and the architect, You know, the designer and the builder. Sometimes the designers design things, architects uh, plan things that the builders are like, we can't do that, that's ridiculous, you know. And so they just do what they want to do. But sometimes there's problems with that. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes the architects, they know what they're doing. You know, there's reasons for the decisions that they're making in the design, and they they really need to be followed. So I've seen all the drama of that through the years. It's kind of fun, but... The good news is that God is both the builder and the designer of our lives. And so it's so important to know uh, what God has designed for us to be, how He has designed us to live in every aspect of our lives. And of course, the Bible gives much insight to this, the book of Proverbs is uh, just filled with wisdom and clarity in terms of how God wants us to live in our relationships, in areas of money, in areas of business, with integrity, with what we do with our tongue, uh, how we receive rebuke, how we respond to the law of God, the word of God and many, many other incredible, uh, important topics that we'll look at one each week. So again, today we're going to look at uh, th- this idea of wisdom, and I'm going to be mainly in chapter 2, just the first five or six verses, and then a little bit in chapter 3 and in chapter 4 as well, uh, kind of toward the end. But when we think about wisdom, uh, <clears throat> you know, sometimes we we just think of somebody who has a lot of knowledge, but I really want to press into your heart this morning that wisdom is not just what you know, but it's putting into practice what you know. Um, I'm going to give you a definition straight from the Word of God from James chapter 3. It gives us a beautiful picture of what wisdom is. It says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? But the wisdom from above, the wisdom that comes from God, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Wow, right? Wisdom is not just knowing a lot. It is very much how we live. It's a way of life. Uh, So I really want that to uh, be be understood. It's partly knowing things. It starts with knowing, right? It starts with understanding who God is, understanding the gospel, understanding what's right and what's wrong. But really, you can know all of that and still not be appropriating it. In living it out. And so if you're, in fact, probably we could say that the greatest fool of all, because Proverbs uh, often contrasts the wise with the foolish, right? The greatest fool of all would be the person who knows God, knows the knowledge of God, knows the Bible, has been taught the scriptures from, you know, infancy, but has chosen to disregard it all and live his own or her own way. That would be probably the greatest fool, right? So wisdom is how how we live. Some have defined wisdom as seeing things from God's perspective, and I like that as well, um, kind of seeing things as God sees them, uh, seeing people as God sees people, seeing the world, seeing life, seeing the brevity of life from God's perspective, you know, seeing... Um, seeing the kingdom of god seeing what is right and what is wrong seeing the sinfulness of sin see, seeing uh just how uh rotten certain paths are you know we when we see things from god's perspective uh, that's wisdom so we're we're going to uh break down these first few verses especially in chapter 2 of proverbs and It says this, my son, if you receive my words, I'm going to go slow here because uh, I don't want to miss anything. But what does it mean to receive? He said, if you receive my words, it's not just hearing. It's not just hearing and understanding. It's not just hearing and understanding and being able to just write it out on a piece of paper. Or, uh, you know, get an a on, a on a quiz or something about it. Receive means to, like, take it into your life and put it into practice. Maybe a, an illustration would be if, and this often happens in our neighborhood, uh, if the neighbor was playing music or doing uh, karaoke, 80s songs, that's one of our neighbors, really late at night, uh, two in the morning, three in the morning, and we were just, now we've never done this, but if we were like, okay, we need to get some sleep, we're going to go over there and give them a message and say, we can't sleep because this karaoke is so incredibly loud. And then if I came back and my wife said, well, did they receive your words? We would be able to tell by if the music continued or not. Does that make sense? Because they might stand at the door and be like, well, yeah, sorry, okay, and nod and and receive it. And it seems like they're receiving it, right? Like some people receive sermons, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, wow, good, right. That's, no, wow, right on. That's so convicting. That's so true. Man, wow, that's a good one. And then they go out and they just don't do what the word says, right? Actually, James talks about that a little bit, too. Um, it's like, you know, well, we won't get into that. Stay with the, stay with Proverbs too. (laughs) This is what happens when I don't uh, write out my sermon. I just, it could go anywhere. Anyways, so there it is. If you receive my words. And then he says, and treasure up my commandments within you. I love this, you know, treasure up. The thing that came to my mind was, uh, I don't know if this was necessarily healthy, but when I was a kid, I was obsessed with baseball cards and I treasured them. I treasured them up. I guarded them with my life. So treasuring up something is not just storing up, but I think it's storing up something with a sense of this thing has incredible value, which is interesting when you think about the word uh, commandments. Commandments, I think, for most people in society, have a very negative connotation, right? I mean, I think about this verse that I was looking at this morning. Uh, that I, yeah, uh, over in Psalm 119, David says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. And then he goes on, he says, how sweet are your words to my taste. He's saying like your law, your commandments, your precepts, your your directives, you telling me what to do and what not to do is good. It's sweet to my soul. And I think that kind of comes through here. Back to Proverbs 2 that if we treasure God's commandments, what's your relationship like to the commandments of God, right? Let I me mean, think about children sometimes have a sour attitude toward the commandments of their parents, or sometimes they'll, they'll do it, but they don't want to do it, um, Or sometimes it's like they pretend like they're not listening like my dog does all the time. I know he can listen. He has a snack called a greenie. It's just a little bone. He loves these things. I don't know if they taste like sausage or something like that. But if I go, hey, Jack, you want a greenie? I mean, it's like perk up. And he's like, yeah, you know, starts running over to if there's no greenie. It's like, hey, stop wandering. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's get in the house. He's like, just doesn't listen. It's like, uh, what is it, selective hearing? Yeah. (laughs) But some people have that relationship with the commandments of God. They really don't want to hear what God wants them to do. But he's saying here, if you can develop in you a heart that loves the commandments of God, the commandments of God are good. They keep us in the peace of God. It's not just oh the commands like they just ruin all our fun. No, the commands of God keep you from doing stupid things. They keep you from uh, straying. They keep you from heart heartbreak. They they keep you from falling into sin, getting tangled up, becoming a, a person who's in bondage. The command commandments of God they're like you know they're like guardrails for us. They they keep us on the smooth road. And so, uh, we should treasure them up within us. And then it says, "Making your ear attentive to wisdom." Here's the call of God: be attentive to wisdom. Attentive is uh, it's it's not just hearing. You know, I'm sure that everyone wouldn't it be interesting if uh, we could measure how how deeply each and every one of you is listening this morning. You know, if there was like a little measuring thing on your seats, and you got an email later in the day, and it was like, yeah, you, you were a 5.5 out of 10. Um, yeah, you were actually a zero, though your face was going like this. Um, and then some would be like a 9 or a 10. Uh, that just absor- You know, how attentive are you? It makes me think of in school, uh, sometimes, now I, I admit, I was a huge daydreamer in grade school, huge in high school and in college, too. <laughs> Actually, you know, I could just go there and uh, just be in another world. And the teacher would ask a question. But sometimes, sometimes the teacher would come into class and be like, everything I talk about today in the class in the next 40 minutes is going to be on the test tomorrow. And then suddenly... Whew. I am paying attention. Like totally, you're just, you're, you're locked into it with heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? You're taking notes. You're just, you're trying to absorb as much as you possibly can. We don't always listen with the same measure. But he's saying this here. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. And then he says this. Incline your heart to understanding. And I think this, this means this inclining means this, this sort of uh, positioning of your heart. It's, it's what you look at, it's, it's, a, it's really a hunger and a thirst for wisdom, and that's the call of God to us. You know, I was thinking about this a little bit this week how proportion matters. In terms of content, now you know that we we're not afraid of content written by uh, people who are sinful people. We're you know we we know how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. And you know, I would say most people in this church are very interwoven into culture, and most of us work secular jobs, so we're not afraid of the world. We are light in darkness, and wherever sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. However, there is something about proportion in terms of content. And I do get concerned if we are just feeding on Netflix and social media and articles from the news uh, just all week long. And then we're just, you know, we get a sermon or something on a Sunday or, you know, a little bit of devotional here and there. Maybe we read a little bit. It's a kind of like, what is the proportion of, of the content that you are consuming. We sort of become what we consume. And if we're consuming too much of content that is coming from a worldly perspective, not that it's necessarily evil all the time, it can be even a mix, right, of good and, and not so good, or it can just be wrong, or it can be, but it's persuasive stuff out there. And if we're just feasting on that, I don't know, I think it's a little arrogant to say, yeah, I can handle it. Yeah, I'm always eating the meats, but not the bones. I can deal with it. Um, you know, I'm taking in 90% worldly content and 10% uh, content from a, a biblical perspective. I don't know. You're better than me if you can do that, because I can't handle that. It starts to take a toll on me. You know what it starts to affect? My desires and my affections and my appetites. Just slowly, I realize I'm beginning to desire other things. I'm beginning to think a little different. I'm having less of a desire for the word and for prayer and spending time with God. So be careful how you proportion the content that you consume. You know what a good illustration for this would be? Food. Food. Food let's think about food for a minute <laughs> now if if i wanted to be healthy but i was eating junk food all week long like mostly junk food like 90% junk food but then on sundays i'm like okay we're 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 getting the plant based you know food out we're doing we're doing whole grains, we're gonna we're gonna eat lots of fresh fruit, and 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 I just eat so healthy on Sundays. You tell me, you think I'm gonna be healthy? Just because I eat one day a week healthy? No. But if you flip it upside down, now it's not the perfect analogy, I know, but if you flip it upside down, and if you're eating mostly healthy foods. And a little bit of junk food here and there, a bag of Doritos or a Twinkie. No, actually, one Twinkie just nullifies like all of (laughs) you for a year. It just it just obliterates it like a year of healthy eating. It's gone. One single Twinkie. Now, this is why I need to write out my sermons. All right. Let me get back to what was I talking about? Inclining your heart to understand. So proportion. You got that point. Okay. All right. Good. Um, let's get to the next one. Yes, it says, yes, that's in there. Yes, comma. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Now, it doesn't say this specifically, but I think it implies prayer. It also could mean just, you know, if you're hungry and, and, and kind of uh, it makes me think of Pablo. Uh, for some reason, he man, he has so many questions. he always had like this really deep question that I could not answer, and he would just you know come up and, and ask me he was just so hungry to to know things to to understand uh, the Word of God, so partly it could mean just to you know to, to kind of cry out to your teachers and mentors and and hunger for uh, truth in that way, but I, I think it does imply calling out to God because when we talk about the attaining of wisdom, it's not just an academic thing. Yes, it comes from reading the Bible. Yes, it comes from reading good books written by people who are filled with God. It absolutely comes from just times of meditation and just thinking about life, interacting with other godly people and, and trying to uh, you know, work through your theology. It comes through all of that. But there's no substitute for just crying out to God, going straight to the source, and just asking God, Lord, I, don't, I am confused about this particular thing. God, I want to understand this. God, give me wisdom, Lord. Show me. Open up my spiritual eyes. Awaken me to these things. Let me understand your ways. You know, the Bible says God's ways are not our ways. The Bible has a lot to say about how who he is and his wisdom and his ways are actually very, very difficult for us to understand in our natural minds. In fact, it says in uh, Corinthians that the things of God are foolishness to the person that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit. So there's this crying out to God that we need to do to understand who he is. And by the way, you know, when we talk about wisdom, when we talk about understanding and the knowledge of God, it's not just, it's not just a piece of information in the sense of, okay, uh, for example, God is holy. All right, let's just take one, one example. All right, you know, who, who have, if we did a multiple choice, Quiz right now. God is holy, or, or let's make it a true and false. True or false? Well, I hope everybody would be yeah. Okay, he's holy. True. Um, I'm not even sure what that means really, but you know he's he's holy. But that's so flat, right? Understanding the holiness of God is not something we understand on day one. It's this ever increasing deepening understanding of his holiness like even even for for someone who pursued an understanding of the holiness of God for 99 years when they pass from this life to the next and they stand before a holy god their understanding will be completely beyond what they ever knew on the earth, right? So you have to understand, this isn't just about, you know, getting it down, because I know some of us are, are kind of like that, you know? It's like, what do we need to know for the test? Okay, great. You know, just like learn all these, you know, learn the catechism, learn the, you know, here's all the points of doctrine that we, we need to know, and then we're done. Good, we know everything. You know, ask me a question. Ask me a question. You know, I just, I know the answer. And we kinda, sometimes we can do that. We kind of know the answer, but that's, that's not where we're going. Wisdom is grasping some of the enormity of truth. Uh, so it, we never really attain it. We grow in it. We progress in it. But we, we never fully attain it. Anyways, uh, so we call out. We raise our voice for understanding. Verse 4 says, If we seek, seek it like silver and search for it, as for hidden treasures... What does that mean? I don't know. It doesn't resonate that much because I don't think any of us have, I don't know, sought for silver uh, and searched for hidden treasures in the bottom of the sea or something like that. I don't know. We, The closest thing I could think of was I was uh, cleaning my patio last fall, and there was a lot of leaves. You know, I hadn't raked yet, and there's this really overgrown garden uh, right next to our patio, and just, you know, we have a lot of furniture on the patio, and there's leaves and different debris on the ground. And I was, I think we we're having company over, and so I was wiping off the pillows. From you know, all the leaves had fallen off the pillows, and I just wiped the pillow, and my wedding ring went flying. And I could hear it ping, and but I didn't really see where it went at all. And I was like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I was out there for so long on my hands and knees, just searching for it because I knew it was there. Right. I know it. I mean, I heard the ping. I know I had it on. Like, I, I know it. I just, I knew it was there. But I just couldn't find it. So I just kept searching under this leaf, under that leaf, pushing things away, sweeping things, not sweeping too hard. It was, found, it was in this overgrown garden. Like, I mean, really kind of deep in the, this debris. But, anyways, I found it. But in the same way, we know wisdom is there. From God, wisdom comes from God. Wisdom is in God, and God is saying here, we need to search for it. It doesn't just come to us, you know, with a sort of a casual pursuit. You know, it doesn't come to the person that's like, yeah, cool, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take some wisdom. That'd be, that'd be awesome. You know, along with my, uh, you know, Big Mac or something. You know, it's not. It's, it's. There's an intensity about the pursuit that is necessary. We have to really hunger. We have to really go after it. God gives wisdom to those who seek after it and search for it with some intensity. And again, what does that mean? It's, it's partly prayer. It's it's definitely this book. Like, what is your relationship with this book? Is it is it just... Uh, I mean, do you, when's the last time you've opened it? Uh, did you did you read it this week? Did you are you thinking about this book at all? Like, are you do you just read a little bit a day, five minutes, and then that's okay? You know, we did our we did our job. Um, what is your relationship with this book? You know, that's it, are you casual about it? You know, I mean, could could your Bible actually have dust? On it. it doesn't take that long for dust to accumulate a couple weeks i mean maybe go home and just see just blow on it Whew. if dust flies through the air okay you you need a shift in your life all right this should be your daily bread right here this book not other books this book first above every other book but then there are books written really good books written by People who are filled with the Word of God and filled with God. And those are the kinds of books we should be reading. Now, again, it doesn't mean we don't read any other books. I, I'm fine. Read a novel once in a while, read just other books that are interesting, whatever your field is. You know, you're going to read books you know, that, that are related to your field. Of course, uh, you're, you're going to do that. That's fine to do. But again, it goes back to proportion. You know, are we consuming this book? Um, Are we in godly fellowship with other believers where we're really feasting on on God's word and and, and learning uh, God's ways? That's the question. So yeah, there is a diligence and earnestness, you know, sort of a persistence about the pursuit of wisdom. And God will give it. This is the promise. And he says, uh, here's the great promise. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What does that mean? You will, Fear of the Lord is a, a theme probably we'll do one week, but it's a theme throughout the book of Proverbs and the Bible, of course. And there's a lot of confusion about it. It doesn't mean that you're, like, just terrified of God and scared and hiding in a, in a hole somewhere uh, because that's in the Bible too, right? Book of Revelation, you know hiding in the rocks and because of the judgment of God and that's a whole thing. Yeah, if people aren't right with God, they're gonna, they should be terrified. But for the uh, child of God, we ha- actually, 1 John 4 says, we have no fear of judgment, right? We have no condemnation. Uh, so we have a freedom. God is our father. We cry, Abba, Father. So what is the fear of the Lord then for the child of God? It means it's this, it's this mindset Within us that hates sin, that understands the, the devastation that sin can do in our own life. When the fear of the Lord is on the inside of us, we understand that God is not uh, partial. You know, He's an impartial judge. We, we, the fear of the Lord is understanding that some of God's own children, His own precious chosen people, Israel, were judged. Because they threw off the commandments of God and 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 sinned. like So when we fear the Lord, we, we kind of understand these things. And we, we don't really want to do anything to dishonor God or offend God in any way. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom is this fear of the Lord within us. It's a way of thinking about sin. But it's also the knowledge of God. And again, it's not just the knowledge of god like okay we can get a 100 on a on a theology quiz we're talking about knowing god we're talking about really knowing his heart knowing how he feels about things really having an intimacy with the living god that's what wisdom that's what wisdom will bring us wisdom isn't just about knowing i can answer any question wisdom is knowing the person of God, having a close relationship with God. But that's the beautiful promise there. Then, if you seek for it and search for it, if you treasure it up, if you receive my words, if you're attentive to uh, wisdom, inclining your heart to understand it, call out for it, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And he tells us right where wisdom comes from. For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Uh, I mean, that, I, I think that's good news for us. Now, it is true that uh, not everyone is born with the same wisdom intellectual furnishings, okay? You know, some people are just really smart, out of the box. And, um, and then some maybe, you know, not, not as smart. And that, that's how the Lord did it, and that's okay. And I'm not one of the smart ones, and that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, but the good news is that wisdom comes from God. That's why some of the greatest men and women of God throughout history have not been formally educated people. I mean, I think of like uh, D.L. Moody. I think about the apostles. They were fishermen. Why would Jesus choose fishermen? Like, seriously? Fishermen? They didn't go to seminary. They weren't educated. It was the Pharisees that were super educated. Jesus did not handpick the most you know, educated, elite crowd. He actually picked guys that were, you know, more simple. They were just fishermen. And yet they turned the world upside down. And talk about wisdom. I mean, read uh, read First and Second Peter. Peter was a fisherman. I mean, the guy had wisdom. The guy had the knowledge of God. So don't let anyone tell. I know the world will tell us certain things, but in the kingdom of God, things are different. In the kingdom of God, somebody who... Uh, was not born with great you know, intellectual furnishings, can be filled with wisdom. Remember, that was often the, the description of the deacons, the men of God in the book of Acts, right? They were filled with the Spirit and wisdom. Those were kind of the two characteristics. Filled with wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And we don't know much about their backgrounds, but probably some of them were educated formally and some were not. But regardless, God can give wisdom to every single one of us. And that's good news. Well, I'm going to just finish by uh, touching on some of these other incredible um, promises, I guess. Because that's what uh, chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and and other places in... um, in Proverbs, like chapter 8, just kind of talk about the just the great promises that come when we have wisdom. You know, is wisdom a valuable thing? Is it something we really should pursue? I mean, how hard should we pursue it? We usually pursue things hard because we value them, right? Um, that's just how, how we work as human beings. We're not going to put that much effort into, uh, you know, if somebody said, hey, if you... If you run a thousand miles, I'll give you a dollar. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I don't like to run. I get cramps on my side when I run. Maybe Riley would do it, you know, for (laughs) because he loves to run. But you know, if somebody said I'll give you ten million dollars if you run a thousand miles, I just I'd make it happen. You know. But it's, it's kind of like that. You know, how valuable is wisdom to you? You can answer that question by honestly asking yourself, how hard do I seek after it? Because if you're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I read a Christian book once in a while. You know, I, I flip, f- flip through the Bible once in a while. I try to find a cool promise. Sometimes I go on social media and find those little, you know, little verses with the fun images behind it and get inspired. Okay, that's not, that's not intense. Okay, that's, that's not, that's just, that's really casual. And that means that maybe you don't value wisdom enough. So in the last few minutes, I'm going to hopefully jack up your, value of wisdom, just by giving you a few promises. Well, verse 9 in chapter 2 says, when, then, then you will, you know, kind of, if you pursue wisdom with passion and attain it, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Well, that's a relevant one for today with all the arguments out there and all the tensions about justice, wisdom from God will come in from a different angle. Uh, We could use that wisdom. It says wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. I love that. And this is a huge theme in scripture, this delight in truth. That when we begin to have a a heart of wisdom, we begin to feast on truth. And guess what? Truth is free. We don't have to spend money on it. We can, once it's in your heart too, you can be standing in line at the bank. You know, it's like, how long is this line? The DMV. How long are we going to have to sit here? And you can just be, you can just go there with wisdom. You're thinking about things. You're meditating on the word of God day and night. You're you're having a feast in your mind on God's word. And other people are grumbling and complaining because they got to wait in line. See, there's no limitations on wisdom. It can be with us. It could be with us in prison. It could be with us in a sickbed. It can be with us at all times. And it's... Absolutely free. And God gives generously to those who seek after it. Verse 16 says, you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. And the f- first few uh, chapters of Proverbs, or 5, 6, and 7, I think it is, you know, kind of get into adultery and all that. Maybe we'll explore that on another day. But I think, suffice to say, you know, wisdom helps us to think Clearly, in a moment of temptation, it's not just uh, the temptation of adultery. It could be any kind of temptation. It could be something with money. It could be some kind of uh, lack of integrity issue in the workplace. It could be, uh, you know, a temptation to 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 you know get drunk or to do drugs or whatever. Wisdom guides us in the moment of. Temptation, wisdom just come again. It's like it's it's so in you know interlocked with the fear of the Lord. It's almost the same thing, but wisdom will rise up and give us fifty reasons why. Yeah, doing that is dumb. That is not a good decision. And the the reasons just come flooding into the heart and into the mind. How many need that in a time of temptation? How many have been in a time of temptation and it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're just like spaced out like in the cartoons with the, you know, we're kind of listening to the, the little devil. Oh, yeah. OK, I guess it could be a good idea. Yeah. All right. I get that. I get that. And then, the you know, the, the little angels like, no, that's not a great idea. And then those two are arguing with each other and you're just like stuck in the middle. You're like, I don't know. I feel kind of 50 50 about this. That's really dangerous. Okay, wisdom is not a 50 50 thing when wisdom rules your heart. It just uh, it overwhelms, you know, the voice of foolishness inside of you. Thank God. I'll give you a couple more Um, over in chapter three, it says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. First of all, isn't it the greatest thing in the world to be considered a success in the eyes of God? Don't you want God himself to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, what could be better? I, I've learned that that is probably the greatest pleasure in life when God himself whispers, kind of speaks to your heart and just says, you're, I'm loving the way you're living. You know, I'm loving your pursuit of me. I'm I, I'm just, it's like a fragrance. When, when you have those moments of, of feeling that, and I don't know how he communicates that. I don't get that every day, that's for sure. But sometimes you just he just kind of has his way of telling you that. Man, it's like, what it, what compares to that? Nothing compares to that. That's like the most amazing thing ever. But it also says we have favor in the sight of men. Now, it doesn't mean everybody is going to love us if we're filled with wisdom. But, you know, the person who is filled with wisdom is often very loved within the community of God because uh, people recognize that wisdom. It shows in their life. And often, I mean, think of the Bible characters, Daniel or uh, Joseph, um, who, even though they were in very secular environments, had incredible favor. You know, the Bible says that the the man of God, this is a paraphrase, but the man of God um, makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Again, it doesn't mean that that's the case every single time. If you live godly, you're going to, suffer persecution at times, but there is a certain favor that comes, because well, let's take in the workplace, okay, if however many of you work in the workplace, or even uh, students, I think this could could uh, fit as well, but in the workplace, listen, if you put the book of Proverbs into action, all right, For this would be true in most workplaces, all right, if you put the book of Proverbs into action, you're, you're showing up on time, or early, you're Willing to stay a little late, you're attentive when the boss is speaking. You obey the the rules of the company. You're not bad mouthing the boss in the break room when you know he's not around. You have integrity. You have a certain cheerful attitude. You're a good team player. I mean, we could keep going, right? These this is just character the the, the character that comes from God. This is wisdom when it plays out in the workplace. Should be the kind of thing that any manager. Would be like, wow, okay, this guy's a good worker. This this lady's uh, an incredible worker. Um, I I just and again, you'll have a very small percentage of people that just because you're a Christian, aren't going to like you. But that's more of the exception. I think people who are owners of companies, they're looking for people that they can trust. They're looking for people that are reliable. They're looking for people that they can be on the register and they're not worried about, oh my gosh, are they going to, you know, slip a 10 in their pocket? Are they going to... Man, trustworthy people. People who are filled with wisdom have all of these wonderful qualities and they find favor in the workplace often and they often get promotions. And the book of Proverbs kind of talks about that. If you put all of the the wisdom in the book of Proverbs into action and embody these kinds of character virtues, you will be, in a normal economy, you will succeed in what you're doing. I don't care what you do. You can start at Walmart, okay? It's like bottom of the... you, You know, there's like... 300 employees at Walmart and you're just, you just got hired and like you're the, at the bottom of Walmart. I'm telling you, you put wisdom into practice in the workplace. It's only a matter of time before you're going be, to be pulled up. You're going to be a department manager. You're going to be overseeing people. You're going to be supervised Because you are trustworthy and reliable and have integrity and are a team player and cheerful, all these good qualities. People, you will be... In most settings, you will be exalted. All right, a few more. Um, I love this one. Chapter 3, verse 8, it says, It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Wisdom will even affect your health. Doesn't mean you'll never get sick or never die. But when you have a peaceable mind and you have meekness, that will have a direct bearing on your uh, on your health i mean they, they they're proving this now that people who are incredibly angry and bitter it it takes a toll on their health people who are just deeply stressed out um it just beats on their immune system and starts to break down their body I mean, even wisdom would keep us from addictions, right? And keep us from all kinds of... Wisdom would tell us we should probably watch what we eat. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should, we should probably be uh, decent eaters. I mean, you have to be a health, you know, food crazy person. But, you know, like just we should pay attention to what we're putting in our bodies. Wisdom will have a bearing on our health. Then it says this in verse 14... The gain, blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the gain from her, speaking of wisdom, is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Listen to this nothing you desire can compare with her. I think chapter 8 says wisdom is the principal thing, wisdom is supreme. It's the thing of all things to desire. I mean, what do, what do people desire? You know, women, money, things, houses, fame, uh, just, you know, whatever, reputation, just stuff. Uh, what is it? You know, all of, anything you can imagine that you could seek after. The scriptures are saying wisdom actually beats it all out. When you have wisdom... When you have wisdom, it kind of doesn't matter what happens in life. It doesn't matter if the economy goes bad. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter if your health fails. Wisdom keeps you in Christ. It keeps you filled with peace. It's the supreme thing to be desired. Solomon, of course, uh, asked for wisdom. God said, what do you want? I'll give you anything. Wisdom. Good answer. That was a wise answer by Solomon. All right, I'll just give you a couple more. Um, let's see, pick a good one. Because i only got a couple more minutes. Chapter 4, wisdom will keep us, guard us, prize her highly, and she will exalt you. It doesn't mean you'll be exalted high above everyone else and everyone will bow down. It just means that God will exalt you into the full expression of who you were created to be. Hmm. All right, this will be the last one. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Actually, I'm meshing a few of them together, but it talks about how wisdom will keep us on the straight path. It'll keep our steps from being hampered. It'll keep us on the smooth and on the narrow, um, I love that because i 'll confess that there's been i mean i've been a Christian for thirty two years, and there's been some seasons where yeah you know, i don't know i 'm just not not feeling it you know so much, and I start to again it kind of goes back to content consumption and my my desires starting to you know drift into some other things and and then I start to feel my steps being hampered. It feels like there's little little demons on my ankles. You know, I'm trying to run fast, but I just can't. I'm not moving. You know, these get off of me, you know. And that's what happens when, that's why I try to, to suppress so hard, wholehearted devotion. When we... When we try to do, like, one foot in the world, one foot out, and, yeah, I want to be serious, but I'm not too serious. You know, I'm just going to kind of be cool about this and casual. The problem with that is it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We're, like, hampered. We're just, it's like everything is hard. Everything, the walk with God is, is hard. We're not coming into the depth. We're not experiencing the life. And we're 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 not getting traction. In our, in our walk with God. And, and it's just, it's a terrible place to be. I, I honestly think that sometimes, and you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, it, it's better to be like lost and ignorant in a way, just in in the practical and the pragmatic here and now. I'm not saying in the grand scheme of heaven and hell, but it's almost better to be just ignorant and just lost than to be in this middle ground of like knowing what you should do, right? And knowing the call of God is calling you to love him with heart, mind, soul, and strength, but you're still attached to the world and still idolatrous and still doing all that. It is a miserable place to be because there's a lot I could say there, but I think that God is a father and he begins to discipline us. He doesn't bless us in the middle place, in that place of, mediocrity and compromise and one foot in and one foot out he just he kind of holds he wants to bless us but he kind of holds and he even might even make things harder which I don't know it's a concept in scripture that God will do that as a good father would do and so it is a miserable place to be Uh, So don't be in that middle. Don't straddle the fence. Just leap in, jump in, go all in. Seek after wisdom with your heart and your mind and your soul. Well, the bell is going off, and that's my time to finish. (laughs) Um, Thank you for the bell, whoever that was. Um, I I get the hint. I get it. Talking too long. All right. Uh, Thanks for uh, listening so attentively. This morning, Um, I'm just going to close in prayer and just say that if you have any questions about the church, I'll be available afterward. If you want prayer, I'm happy to pray for you again. The welcome table in the back. Uh, Go talk to Julie. She's super nice. She'll answer all your questions. She has lots of wisdom. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Lord. I ask you for wisdom. Uh, James one says if we seek for if we ask for it, that you you give it to us. You, you're generous about uh, giving it to us. You're not stingy with wisdom. You're kind of excited to give us wisdom. And so, Lord, uh, give us a wise heart. Give us a heart of wisdom in every aspect. Lord, throughout this Proverbs series, I, I pray that you would shape our lives, shape our minds, shape our lifestyles, shape our use of money, shape our use of time, our use of energy, the use of our talents, Lord, in every single aspect of our lives. Lord, make us like Jesus. That's really what we're asking. I know that's a tall order, and none of us are uh, close to that. You know, we're, we're becoming like Jesus, but Lord, just shape us. And Lord, I pray that, that we would leave no stone unturned, that there would be uh, maybe some uncomfortable moments through this series where there's aspects of our life that we have not inclined our ear to pay attention to and that we've just like, "Eh, I don't know, you know, most things I'm good at, but I don't really want to think about that area. That's too costly or something like that. But what I pray that we wouldn't be like that. I pray that we would be all ears. We would be totally open to whatever you would have to say to us in every aspect of our lives. We want to be just surrendered. We don't want to make a big thing about it, like be stubborn about, about anything. We just want to be easy to lead, easy to shape. Uh, we don't want to be like the mule that has to be guided by a bitten bridle, but we just want to be guided by your eye. So do your work in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.